Welcome to Multi-Passionate Artists, featuring conversations with visual and performing artists, along with other creative souls on their journey, process, and entrepreneurship. I am your host, Diane Foy. My purpose is to help multi-passionate artists embrace their values, ambitions, and story so that they can slide into the spotlight with the impact and income to match. Hello, and welcome to episode 77 of Multi-Passionate Artists. I hope your 2022 is off to a fantastic start. I've been revisiting my future vision, goals, motivation, and purpose to set intentions for this year. I'm a big believer in the power of making your goals public. I'm a coach after all, and we're all about goals. So here I am going to share with you that my goal is to gift 30 free coaching sessions to 30 multi-passionate artists, musicians, and actors who are ready to embrace their authenticity, creativity, and purpose so that you can slide into the spotlight with the impact and income to match. If that sounds like you and you'd like to help me surpass my goal, head to dianefoy.com booking and snag one of the sessions. I would love to hear about your goals and to see if I can help you achieve them. My guest today is multi-passionate artist Emily McGill, a tarot reader and storytelling strategist. After nearly a decade and a half working in entertainment in New York City as a Broadway publicist and expert communications consultant, her path of self-exploration led to healing and evolution and reading tarot cards professionally. Invited to read tarot for Virtual Burning Man in 2021, Emily has also been featured by the Tamaran Hall Show, the New York Post, and Thrive Global. Currently, she's developing her own deck, the Broadway Tarot. If you love Broadway or tarot, you are going to enjoy this episode as we talk all about her Broadway PR career and her transition to tarot reading. She even offers us a reading on the show. So I hope you enjoy it. For links and a transcript, visit dianefoy.com slash 077. Hello, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, Diane, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you have a very interesting career. And it's funny that we are both entertainment publicists turned something else. <laughs> um, you ha yeah. have a long career on Broadway doing publicity. Um, and I was publicity for musicians and actors, but I think a bit more musicians that record and tour and actors who are more TV film than Broadway. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. I'd love to hear more about your career on Broadway. And then we'll talk about your journey to get you to where you are now. What are some of the highlights of your Broadway career? I'm obsessed with musical theater. So <laughs> oh, what's your favorite show? Oh, uh, I like the ones like Cabaret and Chicago. Mm -hmm. Oh, I guess favorite would be Rent. Mm -hmm. Rent. Have you watched Tick Boom yet? I loved it. On Netflix. Oh my goodness. I was on my hands and knees sobbing last night. <laughs> I, my brother told me, he warned me, he said, you're going to cry. And I said, great. I'll wait until I have the emotional capacity to watch it. <laughs> I happened to be last night. Oh. So, uh, I love Tick, Tick, Boom. I, I love it so much. It, it's actually of Jonathan Larson's work. You know, there is such a limited, we lost him so early. So there's such a limited option, but Tick, Tick, Boom is absolutely my favorite, but I will say, you know, good segue. One of my highlights with Rent, um, I got to work with Adam Pascal on Memphis, the musical. Oh, cool. Um, when he came in to play Huey Calhoun. And that was a lot of fun uh, getting to, to work with someone who I, danced around my bedroom too. 
quite a bit listening to that album, that cast album. Um, so that was, that was fun. We had some cool times. Um, Memphis was, was really special to me because that's a show that my brother was in. He was, he's a former Broadway performer and now a choreographer. Um, and he was in Memphis as I was, uh, assigned to the show as the press rep. So it was really fun getting to work on Broadway together on the same show with him. Cool. I saw him and I'm blanking on his name. The two main guys from Rent. Uh-huh. Yes, they did a tour yes. of Rent and came to Toronto. So I saw Rent again then. And I also Good. saw um, Anthony Rapp's solo show that he did as well. Cool. And Adam is on tour right now with Pretty Woman, I think. Ah, that would be fun to see. Yeah, yeah. but we uh, during Memphis, I got to do a really fun thing um, with, actually, it was, it was not with Adam, it was with our understudies. Uh, we are, our composer, David Bryan, who is a member of Bon Jovi, um, he was <laughs> uh, donating a piano to the State Department. Uh, it was very strange situation, but I guess there was a grand piano at the State Department they discovered when they went to have it cleaned and tuned that it did not belong to the state department. It belonged to the white house yeah. and they had to return it. <laughs> so the state department didn't have a piano. Um, so David was invited to donate one if he was interested and he was, and he said, how about my Broadway show comes down and we do a little ceremony. So we did a dedication ceremony and performance for secretary of state, Hillary Clinton uh, with the cat, with the understudies of Memphis. We went down to DC for the day. It was so much fun. Such a cool thing to get to produce a concert inside the State Department. Yeah. So were you part of a PR company or was it your own PR company that you worked with Broadway Productions? Yes. Um, <laughs> yes is the answer. I When I first started, I worked at a company called the Hartman Group, which no longer exists. Um, on shows like Memphis, I did Billy Elliot, Ghost the Musical, um, Elf the Musical, uh, a show called First Date, which is a really fun show. Um, so we did, uh, I did quite a bit of shows with them. And when the company closed, I went to another company called Philip Rinaldi Publicity that was really small. There were only three of us. And Philip does all the PR for Lincoln Center Theater and has been doing that for a very long time. He's also Patti Lapone's personal rep. Um, but at that time we were working on a raisin in the sun starring Denzel Washington with, um, the now infamously known Scott Rudin as producer, um, which was also an incredible, incredible experience. I learned probably as much in the nine months I was at that job as I did in the three and a half years I was at the job prior to that. Right. Wow. So much happening constantly, you know? Right. And then from there you started your own. Well, actually, after that, I went to a very big PR agency called DKC Public Relations, and I was their in-house Broadway expert for about three and a half years. Um, so if there was anything Broadway related, their clients were everything from Princess Cruises to Delta to the New York City Marathon to um, the Nobel Peace Prize concert. So I worked on a lot of Airbnb. I mean, they had so many different types of clients. So I got a really good education in how... Um, other industries can work and how pub the public relations industry works. Right. Um, and after, after I was at DKC for a while, that's when I had um, started my own company. And uh, when I left DKC, I was ready to, to really branch out on my own and actually got a call from Disney theatrical on Broadway. And they were looking for some help for the Lion King and Aladdin. And so um, I ended up working for them for about six months, just supposed to be the summer, but ended up being a little bit longer and uh, had some fun doing the Lion King and Aladdin. So I went back uh, a, a few months after that to them to help them again, just can, while I was still running my own business and kind of doing all of the things. Um, and we joked that I was the vacation swing in the Disney press office. And, you know, for those that aren't familiar, the understudies cover for the star when they're out sick or they are on vacation and the swings do that for the ensemble members. And so a vacation swing comes in when they know they need an extra person in the building. Um, so I would always say I was the vacation swing in the Disney press office. <laughs> and I'm curious what the reason you got into publicity 
for Broadway? Mm -hmm. Was mm -hmm. it your love of publicity or mm -hmm. was that just the avenue to get to be around Broadway? Yeah. So I grew up as a performer, you know, I didn't know there were other jobs right. and when I was a kid, I, you know, I was in dancing school and then in junior high and high school, there was a lot of theater. I ended up going to college and got my, my undergrad in musical theater. I have a theater degree. So, um, I spent a lot of time doing it, but I didn't know you could do other things, right? Like we don't, we don't really learn about it so much. You do see that there are designers, you see that there's a, a director and a choreographer, but you don't know that there is an advertising agency, a general management company, a, a a, a production management company. Um, you have accounting, you have lawyers, you have publicity, you have marketing, you have, uh, you know, operations and, and, and the real estate side, the, the, the building logistics stuff. I mean, there are so many different roles that you can play in this industry. And I just didn't know they existed. And when I moved to New York, I started interning in a producer's office and that started to open my eyes to the different opportunities that existed. And so it, you're, to your, to answer your very long answer to your question, it, the publicity happened to be the place that I felt I was most aligned in working in the Broadway community and the theater industry. Right. Yeah. Cause like, I always say like, everything that I had done, I've changed careers a lot, but uh, mm -hmm. everything was, it, it really wasn't the love of what I was doing. It was anything to get near performers and, and anything yeah. to like, I was way too shy as a kid to be a performer, but I was just in awe of actors and musicians and singers and dancers and all that. Right. And so Ice. Well, because you're a kindred creative spirit. Yeah. And I just wanted to be a part of that. And so that's, you know, I got it. Yeah. I got into photography because of that. I got into makeup artistry because of that. And then ended up publicity. Again, it was mm -hmm. just to be even more with artists. So yeah, that was. Um, and it's a really fun and unique relationship that artists have with the people in the publicity department. Yeah. Because spend a lot of time together. And you have to be pretty vulnerable, you know, especially if you're doing interviews and you're answering questions or, you know, as artists, like we put our lives on the line every day yeah. to, to do our art. And, and it can be a really intimate experience to have somebody witness that up close like that. Yeah. And be a support if there's a bad review <laughs> right. or whatever it is. And, and, and also like play bad cop and navigate so that you don't have to be the, like the artist doesn't have to be the one to, they, they're the one to set their boundaries, but they don't have to be the one necessarily to hold the boundary. Yeah. There is someone they're supporting to do that for them. And that's how they oftentimes are able to offer up the most beautiful art they can. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So when you were young and being, I assume you're in acting classes, dancing classes, singing classes, mm -hmm. um, was your dream to be a performer? Yeah, it was. I really wanted to be, um, I, I, I had like dream roles. I mean, my dream role for the longest time was Peggy Sawyer in 42nd street. I loved it. She was a tap dancer. She had great songs. She had a beautiful journey and she was the star. Um, so that was always one that I loved very much that I wanted to play and similar like Kathy Selden and singing in the rain, you know, kind of like the older um, musicals or the, those that are based in sort of the twenties. I love that. Um, I feel like that era suits my look and my style. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. And so were you pursuing performing while you're also pursuing working in production offices and, and doing PR? Um, I Was there a time I, that you had to choose one or the other? Well, I, I, the first year I lived in New York, I auditioned as though it was my job. Right. I had, you know, worked at either a restaurant or retail or whatever I was working. Um, but I was auditioning almost every day. I had, you know, this was... <laughs> This was pre iPhones, pre uh, Palm Pilots, even like I had a hard copy notebook yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I was writing my auditions down in and, you know, making sure that I was getting up and signing up. And I was very fortunate 
that I lived close enough to most of the rehearsal studios that I was able to like go sign up and then go home and take a shower, you know, cause if you're a non-union actor, um, the chances of getting seen are pretty slim. It's difficult. It's really hard to break into if you're just kind of starting from scratch. And, um, I knew I needed to do it. And I would always get so close at the end. It would be like final callbacks and I would never get the job. And I realized like, it's because I didn't want the jobs. Right. Really didn't want to be a performer. Um, I'm not a very good actor because I have a hard time pretending things aren't, aren't true. I'm great at suspending my disbelief if someone else is telling me a story, (laughs) but when it comes to being the storyteller, I really struggle if things aren't true. I think that Uh, would be me. Cause I'm like, I've never (laughs) like, yes, maybe my fantasy, I wanted to be a singer or dancer, but I've never wanted to be an actor. And I think that's it is that I'm so about truth that I can't fake it. I am not a good liar. I'm not a good actor. So that would feel yeah. really weird to like pretend to be something I'm not. And right. you know, yeah. of course, yeah. then now we know, like, you know, we all have to, we all probably have times where we pretend we're someone that we're not, but totally. we're trying to be authentic now. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And I will say for myself, you know, the pandemic has offered even more um, depths of depth of the importance of authenticity for me personally, it's become uh, a non-negotiable. I there's I'm just I'm I've stopped pretending that I'm anything other than I am. And I'm just showing up as myself hundred percent in every setting that I walk into, meaning that I will sit in an off-Broadway advertising agency and talk about the fact that your text messed up because Mercury is in retrograde. And I don't care if yeah. anyone is, you know, confused or, or, or made uncomfortable feeling by the fact that I understand that the cosmos is affecting what's happening right now. And I have deep belief in that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a terrible actor because <laughs> I can't, I can't not tell the truth. Yeah. That's funny. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so you didn't want to be an actor, um, but you just want to still be around it. So that's why you ended up in PR. Yeah. I knew I wanted to work on Broadway. I always, I mean, pr- producing is still a dream of mine. I still very much want to produce Broadway shows. Um, I, I, the, the community part is also really, really important to me. Um, I'm a co-founder of a Broadway industry dance party called the snob Sunday night on Broadway. And I have, my partners are both DJs and Broadway, former Broadway performers and current Broadway performer. Um, and it started out actually when I was working on Memphis, the musical, we would just hang out in the dressing room on Saturday night. Somebody would bring some drinks Somebody would turn on a playlist and we just like have a good time and blow off a little steam. Um, and people started doing it in dressing rooms all over Broadway. So we decided to uh, create a dance party once a month. Um, that was pre pandemic. Now we, we pop up and we do them when we can, but yeah, we've had this, this party that is just a great opportunity for the community to come together and have a great dance party, have a few drinks, blow off some steam and, you know, celebrate. We do it on Sundays now. So it can be the, you know, most folks are off on Monday. So it's actually the end of the week. Um, and you know, you're not going to have a matinee on Monday, I hope, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, we, uh, we have a great time and that community part is really, I think the part that draws me in the most. Yeah. Like, it sounds like, um, Alan coming, he, had mm-hmm. that club coming and <laughs> that's when he did yeah, that yeah. he sings sappy similar songs idea. to her mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely a similar idea that's cool and how have you made the transition or what made you kind of start to step away from doing PR mm. Well, I mean, when I was at the agency I didn't really love it so much anymore once I learned you know how what PR sort of means in the wider world. Um, Broadway publicists have really unique jobs. Yes, there's the media relations part, but there's so much more that you don't, you know, you don't think about whose responsibility it is to, for example, put the playbill together, um, you know, to put together the performances on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and all the other things that, um, that fall under that, that platform. And I, 
had gotten to the point after starting my own business where I didn't love it anymore. I was not excited by it. And, um, then the pandemic hit and in March, 2020, I was given the most incredible blessing in many ways where I was given the space to figure out what it is I want to do next. Yeah. A lot of people have changed their lives in the last year and a half. Because you see that nothing is, you can't take anything for granted. And, you know, even structures and systems that you think will never collapse all of a sudden are working completely differently. And there are structures and systems that need to be completely uprooted and upended and rebuilt from scratch. Yeah. And so, you know, we've, I think there's been a global reckoning in some ways in the last year and a half and people are either on board or they're not. Um, but the train's running, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) you know? And so like, for me personally, I think that's part of what, you know, what I was saying about, I'm never, like I'm a terrible actor because I'm just going to, I'm not going to be able to pretend anything. Yeah. I'm just going to show as, as is. And when I didn't have the place to show up to escape, which was the theater, you know, to me, the, an empty theater is the way many people think of an empty house of worship, whether it's a mosque or a synagogue or a church or a temple. I see a theater with, with a ghost light on the stage and no one else in the theater. To me, that's an empty church. Right. And to not be able to, to go to, you know, that house of worship during the pandemic, I was kind of forced to discover within myself, like what, what are the other facets of my life that light me up? What are the other things that I'm passionate about that I care about that um, are important to me beyond this sort of singular ambition I had had for so long of working on Broadway? And it was, it was amazing. I was making three meals a day in the early pandemic, you know, <laughs> cooking so much. I love to cook. I grew up cooking with my mom and my grandma. So that was like a fun return to something that I loved. Um, my crazy plant lady tendencies got really out of control. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I think I'm, a, I'm above 50 at this point, but I'm, you know, I'm uh, makes me over the moon and the air in my room is beautifully clean. Um, <laughs> you know, I have, uh, I was able to deepen my tarot practice and my own spirituality. I learned more about cycles. I learned more about, you know, how the universe sort of works in some ways, moon cycles and astrological cycles and how things are connected. Um, I watch a whole lot of space documentaries and ancient history and ancient culture documentaries. I'm so fascinated by all of it. Um, so I, I think the, the tarot is part of a, um, or it's perhaps the, um, the leading, the leading facet of this sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, this like spike of the crystal, it's like the tarot is leading it right now, but I'm really curious to continue to unfold it and like, uh, unearth it and see what else is around that, you know, this new expression of exploring spirituality. Yeah. Like, do you think of yourself as like a multi-passionate artist? I, yes. You sound like one. (laughs) Now I do. It took me a long time to consider myself an artist at all. Right. Because I grew up with a very artistic and creative brother And I was always called the smart one, the logical one, the responsible one. I was given these titles and these roles that suited me because those are all true. I am, I can be the responsible one. I can be the logical one, but uh, the artistry wasn't quite stoked within me in the same way. And I've been doing that for myself. Um, And it's made a world of difference. Yeah, I think uh, I can relate to that because, mm-hmm. yeah, I I wasn't, I didn't consider myself an artist. I was just wanting to be around artists and I just happened to yeah. choose artistic things. <laughs> but it wasn't that I love, I, you know, I, I grew to love them. Um, but now I feel like I'm kind of coming into my own. And I, the thing about being multi-passionate is we, kind of get obsessed with our new interests and we dive right Mm -hmm. in 
but yeah. but then when we've kind of satisfied the curiosity, we get kind of bored. Because I I also relate to how you know I did PR for sixteen years, and there was ups and downs of you know me kind of getting bored of it, and in the end, really getting bored of it, and just didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> and uh, I relate to that. <laughs> it's like you need a new challenge. And then even when I discovered coaching. I was still kind of promoting myself as a PR and marketing coach because I figured that's what people want from me. Well, and it's like, that's the strongest point from which I can lead based on my most recent experience. Yeah. But, and it's like, just because it's the most recent doesn't mean much, right. It's like how we can decide. Yeah. It like, I, yes, I know a lot about PR and marketing uh-huh. in the entertainment industry but it's not something like I love coaching on the, the it's personal branding, but it's really that inner work of, you know, what do you really want and why do you want it? And what are your core values? Who are you? What experiences have you had in your life that makes you unique, that makes you who you are? And how can you show up authentically when you do put yourself out there? through mm-hmm. PR marketing, social media. Um, I love that stuff. So I'm like, if you go through that with me, then I'll, t- I'll tell you whatever I want, you want to know about PR marketing, but I just, right. I'm not leading with that. Cause I, right. So it's, um, I think you probably relate that when you finally just show up authentically and just be who you are, not mm-hmm. hiding it's freedom. It's like this freedom of expression that we can, yeah, how you say you're just going to show up and tell people whatever's on your mind. Love it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's so, it's interesting because when you were saying initially, you were like, I wasn't an artist. I wanted to be around artists. Yeah. It's like, that means your art is relationships. Your art is people. Yeah. You know? Like we all have art in us. We are all artists at our core, every human. Yeah. And like you can express it in many different ways. And now like I have hobbies that are, you know, art and maybe they'll stay hobbies. Maybe they won't, (laughs) but you know, and then I do pick up photography and I can appreciate it now because it's, it's, it's not, I'm doing it for the love of it, not. Because yeah. I'm trying to, you know, again, be around performers. Now I'm like, right. and I'm choosing. yeah, and I, I think that's why I love coaching so much because it's taking all the experience I've had and mm-hmm. being able to help performers and artists succeed because mm-hmm. I have some information that they're, they're needing. And so that's what I love about that. And it's, and it is mm-hmm. encouraging people to be authentically who they are and not put a brand on them or, you know, an image on them. That's not them. So that's mm-hmm. amazing. And so what drew you to Taro? Taro? Carol? Carol? I say Taro, <laughs> but you know, potato, potato. Yeah. Um, uh, my therapist introduced me to the tarot actually, um, around the time I was working on a raisin in the sun, I, my grandmother, not around during that time, my grandmother passed away and, um, she and I were very close. She was a very complicated woman. She had a lot of trauma herself Mm -hmm. and, uh, it was a really painful time for me. And so I decided to try therapy. I had never tried it before. And she, um, every now and again would pull out a deck of cards and have me pull a card. There was a question I was asking or didn't know what direction to go or something. And so she started using these cards with me and I thought it was so cool. Um, and one day I was telling her I wanted a a daily practice. I wanted to add something to my life. Um, from just for me, like that was, that didn't have anything to do with anything else. And she said, why didn't you pull a card? And I said, I don't have any decks. And she said, well, there's an app you can download for your phone too, if you want to try that. And the, my OCD can't have any little red bubbles. So uh, the daily reminder that would pop up was an easy thing to, to get rid of. And every day I would pull a card and um, 
tap the screen and it would give me the description. And I started to get to know the deck. And shortly before the pandemic, I was given my first physical set of cards. Um, and it was the Osho Zen tarot deck, which is the, the app I had been using. And I started to get really excited because I was like, now I can read for other people. And, um, of course then the pandemic hit. So (laughs) (laughs) my, my reading for other people went from just a couple of friends in person to, um, mostly FaceTime and, and zoom readings. But, uh, but it's been really fun to, um, to get to help people tap into what's inside of them. Because I, I see the tarot as a visual or a physical representation of information that you hold in your heart or your gut. But that information hasn't quite made it up to your head yet. Right. And so this is a way that you can almost like text yourself and be like, this is what's going on with me. <laughs> and it's like, a, it, but it's like a meme also kind of too, right? Cause you're like getting a phys- like a picture. You're literally getting the picture of these cards and what they're expressing to you. Um, so I love it because to me, Diane, it's, I mean, it's not all that different from PR it's, it's about communication, but it's communication with yourself. It's internal communication, not about how you communicate with the world, about how you communicate with yourself. Right. Yeah. I'm always interested in tarot and I have cards. I don't uh-huh. really know what to do with them. I more flip through them and say they look pretty. Uh, so I, I haven't, you know, uh, again, multi-passionate, we have so many interests and there's some interests that we'll deep dive into. And then there's other interests that we just kind of poke into. And I feel like the tarot and I love crystals. Uh Uh, I collect way too many gemstones and crystals, Um, but I haven't really gone into making a grid or anything like that. And the tarot, I haven't really learned how to do it. That's a good idea for the app though, because then you can learn like a card a day, what it means kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, and you, uh, the cards kind of like, I mean, the cards never lie. They correspond to whatever energy you have and your phone. We spend so much damn time on our phones anyway, that like our energy and our wavelength are very much, um, a t- a, you know, in tune with, with our devices. Right. So, it, it, uh, I had done readings for people through the app. I just, it's hard. It's much harder that way because it's a small screen. So, right. yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's an excellent way to learn. And I don't know if there, I'm sure there are other apps out there. Um, I have the Osho Zen tarot deck app. Um, And I love it, but I don't use it all that often now because I have multiple, you know, physical decks. And I like, I like the tangible tack, you know, tack, tactile. Yeah, me too. I like to hold it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So we had planned that you're going to do a reading on the show. How do we do that? What's happening? How do I do that? So um, I think. We do a general reading for your listeners. Okay. And for you, um, I'm going to shuffle these cards a couple more times, and then I'm going to start flipping through them. And I'm pretty sure we can do this orally. I haven't tried it yet, but we're going to, we're going to experiment here. So thanks for being game to play. Um, you're going to tell me when to stop flipping through these cards okay. and, and cut the deck. Okay. And then we're going to pull three cards. Um, we're going to pull what will help you, what will hinder you and what is your unrealized or your untapped potential. Okay, cool. So we'll have three different cards and we'll talk about each of them. Um, I'll give you a little overview of the tarot as well. Um, there are two deck, there are two parts to the deck, the major arcana and the minor arcana. The major arcana are our magic cards. When they show up, we pay special attention to them. There are 22 of them and they correspond to the human soul's evolutionary journey. So they start with the fool, which is at the very beginning. It's very fresh energy kind of, and away we go naive, trusting. Um, it's the very, very beginning of the journey and it goes all the way up through the world, which is the whole healed, holy, like very completed energy. And then the minor arcana is set up more like a traditional playing deck. So there are four suits ace through 10. Those are called pip cards. And then you've got your four court cards instead of three. 
So there's a king and a queen, a knight and a page. Um, sometimes it's prince and princess, but those cards um, correspond to people or or the qualities of those cards within yourself. And then um, the four suits, like I said, are the four elements. So fire is wands. That's our passion, our drive, our creativity. Water is cups. That's our feelings, our emotions, our intuition. Um, so uh, air is swords. So that's communication, technology, language, um, storytelling, anything that has to do with, um, with sort of speaking and sharing. And then earth is our pentacles or our discs or coins. And that is the physical, the material the manifest. And so that's like a really, really quick, basic, very rather dense. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Overview of a tarot deck. Okay, cool. And maybe after you could send me some photos of what you're yes, pulling and then I'll put it into on the web page of this episode. Yep. So I'm using the Rider Waite Smith deck today, which is a very classic deck um, that's uh, illustrated by Pamela Coleman Smith. And um, and I will absolutely, Diane, send you a photo afterwards to include. Cool. So I am going to count. Uh, I'm not going to count. I'm going to hold these and hopefully you can hear it. And you're going to tell me when to stop as I flip through these cards. Okay. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. Can you hear that? Kind of. <laughs> Stop. All right. Okay, so this first card, this is our what will help you card. <clears throat> and this is for all of us. So think about if there's something in particular that you want to be, that you want this reading to, um, to correlate to. Sometimes the cards will just tell us themselves. Okay. But so what will help us? I've pulled the queen of pentacles and remember pentacles. That's our earth. That's our physical, our material, our manifest. And the queen is a very nurturing energy. It's a very giving energy. There's a lot of sharing that the queen of pentacles does. Um, she has a bounty of gifts and of, um, of materials and support. And she is unafraid to share it widely with everyone and anyone that needs it. And I, this to me is saying, share your gifts with the world. That's going to help you. Like, don't, don't be a miser about anything like share openly and freely it's going to be very helpful. Cool. Does that feel like it resonates for you at all? It does. Because I'm mm -hmm. thinking, like, I know what one thing that's holding me back is that I haven't done a lot of videos yet. <laughs> I say that because I've been saying for a year that I'm going to be doing videos. And, <laughs> and I know that I'm like that part of that sharing with the world and, and like, I know it's videos. It's going to really build my audience and really mm -hmm. have people connect to me on a way that you can't really do it in writing or unless you right. see me. So kind of, I know that. And so it resonates because yeah, it's what I was already kind of thinking of like, just go for it. Mm -hmm. Just go for mm -hmm. it. Right. Yeah. Share your gifts. The world is ready for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's good. It's going to be helpful. All right. Let's see what this hinder card is. The chariot the chariot is a major arcana card. So um, remember I said the major arcana is the human soul's evolutionary journey. And with these 22 cards, they start at zero. The fool is zero. So it's the numberless number. Right. And the chariot is about a third of the way through it's card number seven. So it's the eighth card and it's all about balance. So the fool has started on this journey. They have learned some lessons. They've learned about their intuition. They've learned about, you know, some self-parenting stuff. They've learned about um, how tradition works and doesn't. They've learned about relationship. And now they're getting to the point where it's like, how do I balance all of this? And the chariot is all about balance and direction, right? If you think about it, if you've ever seen a chariot, whether, you know, you've seen video or anything, you can see that, I mean, usually there's only two wheels 
and it's driven by, um, you know, one or two or multiple horses, it's doesn't seem like it's something that's easy to drive, right? <laughs> you know, it's, and it takes balance and like precision to make sure that it is staying upright and moving in the direction that you want to be going. And so I'm seeing like this, what will hinder you is, um, is like being too specific in the direction you think you're headed. Right. It's like not leaving the space for the other possibilities. Right. You know, we can't be restrictive with how we sort of envision our future and like work towards the things that we want to do with our lives. Um, We have to be sure we have to be specific in how we envision it and how we, um, maybe visualize it or, or, you know, however it is that we're trying to manifest it, but then you have to like, take, also take the action behind it. Yeah. And this is saying that there are going to be opportunities that arise that might not look like they're the right direction, but we can't rule them out just because they might not look right. right. Or they might not look the way we've had it envisioned, you know? Right. Like things might not are not necessarily going to unfold exactly the way we hoped or planned, but right doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It could be something even better than you planned. Or... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. The, the, we, and you never know which, which windows lead to which doors and, you know. Right. So it's just being there. open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see what our unrealized or our untapped potential is, shall we? Yay. Yes. Oh, it's the six of wands. And so our wands, that's our passion, our drive, our creativity. The stuff that lights us up, gets us out of bed this, in the morning, right? All of the, the sort of multi-passionate artists, things that we've been talking about this whole time, Diane. And this card came in upside down. And... Um, there are different ways people read that Uh, it's called an inversion or a reversal. And one of my favorite ways to, to read this is that it means it's the internal expression of a card so that it's uh, rather than how you're facing the world, it's how you're, you're working with yourself. But the six of wands is all about celebrating the, the work that you've already done and sort of taking a moment to have a ticker tape parade for yourself <laughs> and to say, um, congratulations and work job well done. And you're not done yet. Right. Because this is the six out of a 10, out of that 10 card cycle. Uh, you have, you know, you're more than halfway through, but you've still got some journey ahead of you, but like, take the time to celebrate how far you've already gotten. I just started. Think- I just started thinking about my age. I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm about you know six way through or five way through. Uh huh. And it's like, yeah, it's like, what is the you know, like, take a look at everything that that you have accomplished, that you have done, that you have learned, that you have grown into and out of, of, uh, and, and and take the time to celebrate it. Yeah, that makes sense. So and that that's an untapped potential. Yeah. Yeah. I I do tend to like look look forward look forward and not necessarily mm-hmm. look back too much and but then I also don't honor like I've had a lot of experience in a lot of different things and mm-hmm. I've maybe have not like really owned that. Mm. And I need to really just step forward with confidence and be like, shit, look, I've done all this. I have so mm-hmm. much to offer. Here I am. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, and when you bring all of those facets of yourself to the table, they're all welcomed in different ways and in different tables. So, you know, you, maybe adding more laurels around the photography that you had done or 
some of the publicity stuff, right? Like whatever aspect of, of your life that, that you're looking at with it, it could invite in something that feels incredibly resonant for you now. And I think that's how like the, the best part about these cards is that they all relate to each other too, right? So we're talking about the queen of pentacles as our, as what will help you and the the sharing of your gifts and the sharing of, of what you have to offer the world being helpful, but not necessarily following it down, like the hindrance part of it can't, it doesn't necessarily have to be a certain direction, doesn't necessarily have to look a certain way, but then to celebrate it, no matter what it is or how it looks. Yeah. And I think like when you're learning, whatever it is you're learning and you have your own coaches or advisors or expert advice that you listen to, it's it's easy to get kind of stuck in the following other people's paths. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what I've kind of done at different times. And now it's like, well, I've learned it all, <laughs> you know, and now it's like, okay, let's figure out my own path with everything I've learned instead oh. of, you know, trying to fit into, that's another thing when you're multi-passionate. We never fit into those clubs. You know? <laughs> no, and other people will try and put you into boxes to yeah. make them feel comfortable. Yeah. And you don't, like, you can reject that. You can reject other people's boxes. Yeah. Even if those people are your parents. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, no matter who that person is, you can reject their box. You can say, thank you. That That doesn't work for me. I'm going to do it this way because this is what the best way for me to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's finding your own path and you know, it's, it's, they mean well, and maybe some of the advice, like sometimes some of the advice works for almost everybody except me. (laughs) And I just have to go, that is me. I am always different. And let's, that's a cool thing. Like I'm going to figure out my own path. (laughs) Yes. And also, is there anything in what they're saying that I can mine for little gems and nuggets that do work for me? Yeah. So perhaps the whole structure doesn't work for me or their whole picture or their whole idea or the way somebody else thinks or sees this to be that doesn't work. But actually I really like that little starting point over there or, you know what? I want to make sure I hit that halfway point. Cause that feels like it is good. You know, yeah. the, the, to find those nuggets and things and then uh, sort of alchemize them for your best experience. Yeah. Not doing this. Isn't going to hurt you. You know, it's this idea that I always joke, my best friend and I laugh when we don't take our, su- when we take our supplements, we don't feel any different when we don't take our supplements. I can feel the difference, right? You know, when I don't take my vitamins, I feel it. My body feels, I feel less aware, less active. Um, you know, I just, I feel different. I feel a little off and it's that kind of idea <sighs> not doing this. You're not going to notice it. But by doing this, like or, uh, doing this, you're not going to notice the difference immediately, right? Like you're, it's not going to be necessarily an immediate response, but by doing it every day, the momentum starts to pick up Yeah. and then you feel the not doing it, not celebrating your own wins, not sharing your gifts with the world, getting really too specific about direction. Yeah. They're re- I-, I can't wait to take a picture and send them to you. They look so cool. Yay. That's so fun. And so this is what you do now. So if someone wanted to have a reading with you, how would they go about that? Yeah. So you can book with me on my website. It's emilymcgillentertainment.com. It's very long. I apologize. Um, you can, you can book a 15 minute, which is one card, 30 minutes, which is three or an hour long session, which is a seven card spread that I like to do called the flying bird. Um, and there's a, there's a link right there. You click through uh, and can schedule for a time that works for you. Um, I love connecting with people and helping them tap into the voice that's within them. So if, 
if a reading feels like it's something that, that you're curious about, I love introducing people to the idea. Cool. And so what's next for you? What are still, I'm sure you have tons more hopes and dreams and things you want to do and accomplish. Um, Well, I'm working on my own tarot deck, a Broadway tarot deck um, that I've had in development for the last year. So that's, that's a really fun project that I'm really enjoying. Um, Yeah. And I've recently learned about a program at Columbia that, um, definitely has piqued my interest is a program in spirituality and clinical psychology through their teacher's college. And so, um, I'm applying to that. I have no idea if that's my journey or not, but, uh, I'm being called in that direction and I decided to heed the call. That's cool. Then you yeah. never know where that's going to lead. That's exciting. <laughs> no idea what's ahead, Diane. Love it. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> kind of thrilling yeah that's what we do we just dive in and see what happens Mm -hmm. cool and so what is your why why do you do what you do Mm, I do it for little Emily yeah I do it for my inner child who didn't always get um to play the way she wanted to so now we play in everything Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least that's the answer today. It might change tomorrow. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I can totally relate to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but yeah, today, we, the answer to that is little Emily. Yeah. And now we're just not holding back. I think I, I also mm-hmm. spent a lot of time holding back, holding mm-hmm. back. And now yeah. it's like, holding nothing back. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have a feeling you probably relate to this. I, for most of my life have been told I was too much. Ah. Um, and when you saying like, I'm done holding back, like to me, it's that like, I'm, I'm done strangling my bigness. Like I'm going <laughs> to lean into it. I'm leaning into how expansive I am as a being because it's infinite. It just keeps going. Hey, I'm actually the opposite. Mm. I was never too much. I was never anything. I was quiet. I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. I, yeah, I was an observer. I didn't express myself. I didn't, I, yeah, I held back. And so now I feel like I'm like, you know, I'm here. Yes. Amazing. (laughs) So still embracing the bigness. Yeah, now I guess I've all that stuff I've been buried down. Yeah. Yeah. So just the initial uh expression was different, but now I love that. I yeah. love that you're that you're sharing. Well, you're that queen of pentacles sharing it with the world. Yeah. That's it. Just be who we are. Take mm-hmm. it or leave it. Yep. And you're not <laughs> gonna be for everybody, and that's okay too. Yeah. I think that's and the best part. Be for you. And the people that really get you, they get you. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing everything today. It was a wonderful conversation. Yes, it was so good to connect with you. Cool. So I will leave all the links and everything in the show notes. And thanks for joining me. Thank you so much, Diane. Thanks for listening to Multi-Passionate Artists. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your fellow artists, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To connect with me, I'm Diane Foy Arts on Instagram and in the Multi-Passionate Artists groups on Facebook and Clubhouse. Thanks again.